Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 52 of Superhero Ethics Podcast. My name is Jacob Malicic. I'm one of your hosts. Joining me, as always, is Matthew Westfox. Matthew, how are you doing today? Not too bad. Not too bad. Looking forward to a conversation where I don't have to take the lead. Yeah, so today, uh, today is a very special episode of the Superhero <laughs> Ethics Podcast. Uh, what I mean by that, I'm, I'm being a little bit tongue-in-cheek here, but uh, we're talking about uh, a meta-topic. We're talking about something that doesn't relate to a particular piece of media. It doesn't relate to our uh, the portrayal of a particular hero or the actions of a particular hero or set of heroes or a trope that we see commonly in these media. Instead, uh, sort of... Jumping sideways from uh, the little bit of discussions uh, we've had on things like the Be Super Project, we're talking about uh, reactions to media and what we, as fans of of these stories, of superhero stories, of science fiction and fantasy stories, what we do in reaction to that, and and some of the positives and negatives that come out of that sort of thing, and what what we need to what we need to embrace when we see it, and what we need to be careful of. Uh, sort of centered around the idea of um, fan fiction, but also fan ownership of property. This idea that, that Matthew, you've brought up a couple of times uh, when we were having discussions, when I was giving this pitch uh, mm-hmm. that I really like. Could you, could you actually speak a little bit to what, what you meant when you were talking about this idea of fan ownership of a property? Yeah, and I, I think you did a great job introducing it. I think often what we do is we say, as fans... What are the ethics of the media that we are fans of? Today, we're going to be talking about what are the ethics of being a fan? And what does it mean to be a passionate fan? What does it mean to care about things? And and obviously, to have strong opinions. I mean, you and I make this podcast about the, the, the ethical things we have opinions on. But we can have – I know you, you and I and, and me and Paul and me and many of my friends – have many strong conversations that aren't even about the ethics. They're just about, you know, Batman versus Superman, or who was the best Joker, or is The Last Jedi a good example of where Star Wars should be or not? Um, and I use that last example because that's that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Because as we've brought up on this show, um, and, and many others have talked about, Last Jedi is one of many examples that we've seen just in recent years where, honestly, fan discussion has gotten fairly toxic. Um, and, and, and especially where it's gotten toxic is around this idea of what ownership do, do we as fans have over the media that we love, you know, and, and what, what, what should we be doing and not be doing when we think the creators of the, the media that, that we've loved in the past have now made decisions that we really disagree with. Um, and, and, and what, 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 how do we feel about what others do when, when they disagree with things that we might very much agree with? Um, and so I'm really excited to jump into this from a number of levels. And I know we've wanted to talk about fan fiction and all the incredible things that fan fiction does to, to push fandom forward, as well as some of the problematic stuff that can come out of that world, um, as well as just the, the whole – you know, I think one of the things that makes um, this whole concept of fandom so fascinating at this moment in time – is that right now we have more of an ability to connect with the, with the people who make the things we are fans of than ever before. You know, the writers, the actors, um, the creators, these people are all on Twitter. They're all on Facebook. We can directly message them um, and we can say supportive things and we can say critical things. And as we've seen with, with, with people, especially – it needs to be said – women and often women of color, um, we can drive them off the internet entirely um, by expressing uh, really negative opinions. And so – um, when you look at that, you look at the 
the great parts of fandom and the toxic parts of fandom. Um, I'm really excited to have a t- chance to to kind of dive into that, and because I think it's easy to say, well, don't be dicks, you know, don't be, don't drive people off the internet, don't be terrible fans. Um, but actually finding out what is what is acceptable, what is I mean, not that that you and I can decide once and for all what is acceptable, but but I think having a good conversation about where. Where where do those lines fall of of responsible fandom and toxic fandom and, and everything in between um, is right. what I'm really looking forward to. Right, and and w- before we before we deep dive or, or I guess dive onto some some very specific topics, uh, just generally speaking, I wanted to get out of the way that there's a lot of and you said I think similar. There's a lot of good that comes out of this sort of fan embracing of of the media, and sometimes when people are taking the creators to task it is something that we want so actually that's a that's a good topic to to sort of sink into at first is talking about um th- this idea behind uh fan engagement when it's something that we basically when it's something that we agree with we're all for you know a certain level of of I guess vitriol is the wrong word, but but uh, a, a level of <laughs> heightened engagement. Yeah, exactly. A level of passion to the engagement with the with the content creators, with the with the people who made the media, the writers and actors and whatnot. We're okay with a certain level of passion when it's something that that we ourselves care about, and oftentimes that can blind us to the very real very highly problematic behaviors that we are effectively endorsing during that uh during that segment right during during that um that engagement where you know because we are so upset about uh i'm trying to think of a specific example um the the only one i can think of personally was transformers which doesn't have much in the way of a, <laughs> of a moral engagement um but uh if we're if we're looking at uh an example like in with with uh, uh d- 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 words. Nope, I'm not coming up with one. You gotta help me, Matthew. You gotta help I me. Mean, I, I, I think I see where you're going. I, I would say yeah. I think there's a lot we can dive into, but but the first most basic thing to establish that, that I would hope everyone would agree on, but but it, it's shocking to me that it doesn't is you don't personally attack the creators ever. It's exactly you know? where I was going. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and, and I'll give you an example. To me. I thought I, I think George Lucas is absolutely brilliant, and he created something that was fantastic and wonderful, and was an incredibly important part of my childhood. And I am angry for what he did at the prequels, and because I thought they were a betrayal in a lot of ways of a lot of the things that that meant so much to that story. Um, in the same way, I am. The Game of Thrones books were ones that I greatly enjoyed. I, I had some problems with some part of them, especially the, the use of sexual violence as a plot device, although the TV shows have made that much worse than the books do, but it is bad in the books. But there was a lot about those books that I really enjoy. I'm mad that Je, you know George R.R. R. Martin has set something up to um, – you know ha, has set up all these great mysteries and left all this stuff hanging and now seems to have lost all interest in finishing those books. Those things piss me off. Um, and I will say that loudly to, to friends of mine and talking about it. Um, but I'm not going to try and find George Martin's or George Lucas's personal address and flame them about it. And the fact that, you know, those people were, were you know, George Lucas, I, in some ways I'm kind of glad he let Disney write the stories, let, finish writing Star Wars. But I hate that it happened because, as he said, it stopped being fun for him. 
You know, I thought Jake Lloyd was awful as Anakin Skywalker. But the idea that that eight-year-old kid as an actor was traumatized by the way fans reached out and, and, and did terrible things to him. Um, to me, none of that is, is – none of that's acceptable. You know, it, it, and I, I, I want to say I'm, I'm using those examples. Um, uh, all, all the ones I just mentioned were men. There have been a couple of examples um, uh, far, more re- far more often the people who are getting harassed uh, about these things is, are women. Um, especially, um, I, am forgetting her exact name, but I know her last name is, Tra- uh, I believe her last name is Tra- Tran, uh, the woman who played the, um, the engineer in, um, The Last Jedi who pairs up with Finn. Um, an incredible actress. I thought, uh, the only reason I'm not mentioning her is because frankly, I had nothing wrong. I thought she, she was a great part of it. So that was an, an example of a place where I'm, um, I was angry about it, but obviously other people were, and the way they express it to me is just. To me, more than anything, it shows a level of entitlement. You know, I feel like I do have a right to say I'm mad about the prequels and what they did to something. I'm mad about something. And I I feel like I'm entitled to say that to you or to say it to my friends or to say it to my podcast listening audience. I don't understand where the idea comes from that 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 means I have a right, that I'm entitled to go up to the, the producer themselves, the creator themselves, and say, you ruined my childhood, you, a phrase that makes no sense to me. Um, but, but any of these attacks, I just think it comes from a really entitled place that is honestly, I think, one of the worst parts of fandom right now. Right. No, I, that, that's a very good point, and it's, it's something that is difficult to be aware of for yourself in the moment when you're having one of these reactions. Like, it, 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 it seems to me, at least, that a lot of these times people are coming from a place where they feel like they've personally been attacked. And I mean, I get being that attached to uh, to your media, to the the stories you consume, and being like very, very invested in them. Um, but sometimes it turns out differently than you expected, and I think it's important when that happens to sort of take a step back and really analyze. Okay, how much of my reaction is because it's not exactly what I wanted? And how much of my reaction is because I actually feel like it was a bad story, right? right. Uh, and that's that was something um, – and I, I've gone rounds with uh, several people about this, and we'll probably continue to do so for much of the rest of my adult life, I expect, at this point. <laughs> I've, I've had many arguments with people about The Last Jedi specifically on this point, um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it settles to the case of uh, – it but, usually comes out to – Just on Last Jedi, Kelly Marie Tran. Playing Kelly Rose Trail. Yep. I, I'm very sorry I had not did not have that uh, remembered, but I wanted to make sure because it's important to know her name and to and to think about it because I think she, right. she she she's an example one of the worst cases of of, of fan harassment. Anyway, I know on. I know I know Daisy Ridley also got some uh, some fair <laughs> amount of harassment as well, um, but yeah, uh, it, it, yeah, it, all of that was just a a tire fire, and I can't it didn't do anything for my faith in humanity, which I continue to try to, <laughs> to bolster whenever I can. But, um, but yeah, so, so I've, I've engaged on, uh, on this topic with people about how, you know, did the last Jedi, was that exactly the story I was expecting to see? Uh, no, no, there were some things that I was a little surprised by. Um, but I guess for me, there was never an there was never so much of an investment so much of a of a connection to where i thought the story was going that whenever there was a turn i wasn't expecting whenever there was a change like when when um daisy and or daisy uh ray and uh darth 
emo cut. Uh, oh, Kylo solo. Ren. Yeah, Kylo Ren, <laughs> thank you. Dark, dark emo, however, is very much the name that we're going forward. Yeah. Uh, does, he has a Darth name, doesn't he? I, I don't know. Or is it is it just is his Sith name just Kylo Ren like that because his slave name is Ben Solo? I'm, or I'm, let's move on. I'm not sure. Right. right. Um, and, and obviously that was all being incredibly facetious, but uh, mm-hmm. so you know the the moment where it looked like they might join up and then they didn't. Right? right. You know, had it gone the other way, I still think that would have been an interesting story. I don't think like it necessarily needed to go that way. Um, Similarly, I really liked that we were getting um, these these characters who were making mistakes and who got punished uh, because of those mistakes. Like, there were real consequences to them. I really liked that. Um, and I guess to some people that didn't feel like Star Wars. And I mean, that, that idea that it didn't feel like Star Wars, I think that's okay if it, if it doesn't feel like Star Wars to you. I'm not saying, like, there's anything wrong with that. But as you said, when it comes to when it comes to the point where you're having that reaction and you feel personally attacked, I think you owe it to yourself and to others to not then go attacking other people, right? Yeah. As a result of that, like that's not that. First of all, that's not a discourse that's going to to explain anything or mm-hmm. or make anybody else understand your position or why you're feeling hurt. So it's not any way. For, it's not a way for people to help you be less hurt. Um, is just a way to generate more hurt. Well, I, I think that's exactly right. And I also think really important there is that topic – because I think there's two things here. One is just uh, – one that I, I'm amazed we even have to say because I don't think it's, it's, it is any – there is any ethical discussion to be had. You know, Just don't be a dick. Don't harass people. That, that should be so simple and yet it has to keep being said again and again and that, that we aren't entitled to – uh, attack these folks. You know, Kevin Smith, the the creator of Clerks and a lot of other great movies and, and now TV shows, um, a real hero of mine and on his podcast, he does something really interesting where he will he will watch a movie and then he'll say, hey, listen, you know, at this point, I'm not wild about what the writer did here. I would have written in a different way. But you know what? They're the writer. They get to do what they do. Awesome on them. They made a great movie. I just would have made a different movie. And I love that perspective so much because I think that's such a good way of of highlighting, you know, your place as fan in relation to creator. That that you can be your own creator as well, and you can take things in a different direction when you are creating. But that doesn't mean you get to start getting mad at the creator for not going in the direction you would have gone. Um, right. And and the other thing that this brings up to me, I I really like the way you said the um, you know, that you can say that this isn't Star Wars as I would have understood it. Um. And, and it, it, it brings to mind to me, I think, what is at the core of a lot of this, which is uh, – I'm going to try to be very brief here. But, but one thing, when I was in grad school in, in seminary, we, we went into a lot the idea of postmodernism, which is at, at, at very, very base minimum. Part of the idea of it is that almost every original work, there is no sort of objective meaning of it. You know, when I read a book, there's an encounter that happens between me and the book. And so I can walk away with one understanding of the book and you can walk away with another understanding of the book. And that the same thing happens with, you know, something like, and this is where we get the idea of like, not my Batman. You know, I have a very specific idea of Batman and it is not the way it has been portrayed by Ben Affleck and um, um, Zack Snyder. For other people, that may be their idea of Batman. Um, I think they're wrong. But again, that that's the opinion because it's, what is happening here is I am having a conversation with the idea of Batman and I am putting my own spin on it and coming out with my idea of Batman. 
part of what I think is happening here is that because we have this great culture of the internet, the internet does so many things to, to exacerbate fandom and to, to play up all the good parts. It also plays up some of the bad parts. And, and part of that is, you know, you can see a movie once and then go read 30 fan fictions about the movie and go write 20 essays about the movie and go find 50 other people who have the same opinion of the movie that you do. What's now happening is your memory of that particular movie is being shaped more and more by the media you're reading about that particular movie so that now it's becoming more and more, you know, you and these other people who agree with you, your vision of the movie. And, and I, 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 I think that's part of what happens with something like Star Wars that, um, or a lot of these other uh, um, properties is that people, you know, they, 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 they see the, the new thing like Last Jedi and they go, oh, that's not my Star Wars. And what they mean is that's not the Star Wars that you and your one particular small segment of fandom have been like talking about and recreating in your own sort of creations for a while. Um, and, and, and those creations, great. It's when that starts to become, oh, my, my particular vision of Star Wars is the vision and anyone else is wrong. That's when, you know, beyond the kind of joking around, but when it's a real like I, you're wrong and I have to attack you for it. That to me is when it gets really problematic. Yeah, and then that's—I think that's a, a good, as a good hypothesis at least for one of the ways that this comes about, right? Sure. Is that you—you you sort of enter your own. We we all and we all do this. It's not something that like we're not attacking people for say for entering echo chambers. We all enter our own echo chambers uh, without knowing about it. This is just <clears throat> this is human behavior. This is how we we tend to seek and process ideas that coincide with our own or that are interesting to us and so we do tend to form these groups of of like-minded individuals and so it is very common if you engage with that on on anything a story a philosophy a political ideology that you will <clears throat> sort of reinforce each other's ideas and get to this point where now you sometimes make that a part of your identity and this can happen with our with our fictional fandoms and right. again i'm not like that can be perfectly healthy on its own absent behaviors that that sort of come that that come out of it right that that escape that group and start integrating it into your interactions with others right with people who are outside of that particular chamber does that make sense yeah, no, it does, and I, I think that's. And I'll, I'll, I'll give an example of a place where I think, um, you know, where I where I think fan fiction has done a great job of, to my mind, fixing uh, something that an author did that I that I loved, but where I think that the author failed in one regard, um, and that's in regard to the treatment of Slytherins in the the Harry Potter world. Um, I love the Harry Potter books. I think the Harry Potter books are a great example of fantastic fiction and. For the most part, with some bumpiness, uh, a great example of fiction being translated to screen. But I think that J.K. Rowling got Slytherin's wrong, and that that sounds so weird because what I th it sounds like I'm saying that she got a part of her own creation wrong. But I do think that there's been a lot of great fan fiction that gives a much more nuanced idea of Slytherin that I really love. And now, when I think of Slytherin, it's funny because when when I say I'm a proud Slytherin. Um, or when I say, you know, I'll, I'll watch some other character and I say, oh, that person's a Slytherin. I have to remind myself, I am, my understanding of Slytherin now has very little to do with the world that J.K. Rowling originally created. My, and, and so 
to some level, like I, I think this is a better version and I love it and I would love to see it happen more. But I have to remember that the next time I go to a Harry Potter movie, which probably won't be for a while because it's still involving Johnny Depp, but that's a whole other story. But but the next time I go to a Harry Potter movie or, or uh, uh, the Wizarding World movies, it's probably not going to have my image of Slytherin. And I have to remember that. I have to remember that this is not the Slytherin, you know, the Slytherin that I have built for myself and that so many others that I, I talk with and read and, and, and process their media have built is not necessarily the original. And that that's, I might prefer it, but I can't demand that it's going to be, it's going to be there the next time I go back to the original. Right. And, and I think that it's, it's important to note that, like, I think it's perfectly, perfectly good and should happen to be critical of things like that. If, if we think that something isn't quite right, isn't the quote correct way to do a particular story or particular idea. I'm actually right there with you on, on the Slytherin. Um, there were my one major disappointment in Harry Potter because when I started reading the books, I was very interested in the Slytherin because they were being represented. I knew that these books went on for a while and I knew that they got more and more mature as they went on. And the Slytherin were being presented as incredibly two dimensional, you know, bullies and jerks and evil mustache twirling Nazis. And I was like, there's gotta be some nuance to this. We gotta have somebody along the way who our heroes like end up and end up really appreciating. They really like them. They ally with them and they find out they were Slytherin and the closest we get to that is Slughorn. And Slughorn, while, you know, he's still basically on the right side of things, uh, there's a lot of egg on Slughorn's face that's sort of, I feel, thrown there intentionally, on purpose. And it's fine that that character exists, but we never got that. And so I feel it's yeah. okay to be critical uh, of Rowling, of J.K. Rowling, uh, for that particular uh, failing that, that we think is in her work. Uh, there's another thing entirely to go on social media and like, or, or go on Twitter or go try to find her address or send her death threats or send her rape threats or whatever in the world these, these monsters on the internet are doing these days. Uh, yeah. And I, I use the word monsters completely unironically. Seriously, I don't understand why people do that, but that is completely not okay. Uh, yeah. That is not what Batman would do. <laughs> well, I think I think you're right. I think, like I said, the the that the not harass should be the easy point. But but I think there the larger point is also what you and I are both saying that that we can that we can both appreciate the and, and there's some great fan fiction I think it's been written about Slytherins, you know, showing a, a very different side of things, and even prefer that in some ways. But I'm not going to go back and read Harry Potter and, and demand that that be fixed, you know, in that same way. Right. Um, there, there is one other element, to, I mean, there's a number of elements, but, but there's one other direction, I think, in which stuff can sometimes be changed, where I think it's not just a matter of opinion anymore, and I do think that that is worth talking about, especially because I think this is what often starts a lot of the worst backlash, which is where we're looking back to a piece of media that was created some time ago, although honestly we should do this even with, with media that's created today, but where we look at the media and we say, this is great for its time, but it also contains a lot of the isms of its time, sexism, classism, ableism, homophobia, uh, racism, you know, what, what, whatever the case may be. And the newer media is trying to fix that. And that itself is what causes a lot of the backlash, you know, and I, I, I think that that's something that we have to also name that because for me now we're not just talking about a difference of opinion. We're talking about there is an attempt to say 
you know, wait a minute, like, the, the Luke Cage was fantastic comics, but was born out of the black exploitation era, and so if we're redoing Luke Cage, we should try and, and make it more about black empowerment than black exploitation. or, you know, Star Wars the original was fantastic, but was an almost entirely white universe, and, and an entirely male-dominated universe, and how can we fix that? And I, I do think it's worth naming that a lot of the fan backlash that we see you know, to me, when someone says, why can't we have more male heroes, or, you know, why can't Luke be the perfect hero, that's not just a difference of opinion. That is an attempt to hold on to, you know, the white male fantasy of power and of, of ownership of everything. And, and and there I think, you know, I hate to ever say that another fan is wrong, but that's where I, I am going to say, I think, we're not just disagreeing here. Now we're actually talking about whether we're, we're on, on the side of, of, of progress in these things or whether fandom is trying to stand against it. Yeah, and, and I agree with you there. And I, I know that um, this is a, a touchy subject for some people. Uh, and I like, look, I understand, again, I understand being upset uh, because a childhood hero of yours has now been portrayed on the screen as, as falling from grace and not being as... as uh, I mean, not that Luke was ever flawless, right? Have you watched right. A New Hope? Uh, <laughs> like, come on. This is not a human being who went from being, like, you know, farm boy who didn't know a whole lot to the perfect pinnacle paragon of perfectness. Like, that right. didn't happen, and I'm sorry if you thought that's the story you were being told, but nobody is like that. Right. And, and I don't think it's just Luke, though. I think we're seeing this in a number of other fandoms where, yep. you know, there are really attempts being made to push these things forward, to say, let's have Star Trek be about a um, a woman of color as the star. Let's have... I mean, even when, when Cisco and Janeway were... Um, were, were announced as captains for um, Deep Space Nine and Voyager, respectively. There was huge fan outlash, backlash about this isn't what Star Trek is supposed to be. Um, and, and that, to me, is another part of fandom that I, th- that I think we have to name and say this, this, is, this is really a problem because we should be wanting our, our fandoms to constantly be looking forward and that when we are redoing versions of things to say, okay, this was great, but, but maybe it was also a little bit stuck in its time and, and how can we make that better? Mm-hmm. And so there, there's some more recent examples of this too, right? Uh, there, you just recently pointed this out to me. I didn't even know that there was a pro- that fans were having a problem with the new Shira. Uh, oh yeah, I was not aware of this at all. But uh, you pointed me to a series of tweets by Joe Michael Straczynski, a writer whom we both have uh, some amount of affinity for, uh, and basically responding to people effectively saying something to the effect of. Uh, that Shira was supposed to be the, you know, the ideal, uh, right? She was supposed mm-hmm. to be like a, a perfect person or something like that, something to that effect. Well, it, um, it's, it's not just that she's supposed to be, for you, but I should give you more, more yeah, clarity. Yeah, yeah, I, think, sure. I think the details are really important. It's not even that she was supposed to be perfect. It's that I think, it's, and, and, and Straczynski made this clear when he's talking about it. You know, this was written to be a hero for little girls, the way He-Man was a hero for little boys. Um, and, you know, and that hopefully people of all genders could enjoy both, but specifically there was supposed to be a, you know, a, a character for, you know, women, girls and women to look up to and to want to emulate. And, and that, as he tells it, and as other network executives have told it, that the networks at the time sort of pushed them to really kind of sexualize the character and to draw her in the, you know, women, you know, women heroes don't get to have pants kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And and you know, in some ways, it's it's kind of horrific. You think that anyone is sexualizing a, a child, a, a, a cartoon for children, but we're talking about the internet fandom culture. We sexualize everything, um, <laughs> good or bad. Um, but but in this new Shira, they've made a really conscious attempt to not do that. You know, she's wearing shorts now under the beautiful uh, you know battle skirt outfit she has. Her her body looks more like a. Um, a proportional person and not necessarily like a Barbie doll that would, that would, that would fall, uh, fall over um, due to gravity. You know, she, they, they very intentionally made her to be a, a, a person that, that girls and women and, and, and boys can, can, and anyone of any gender can look up to. And, and I think very telling the backlash has come almost entirely from men saying, you know, this isn't the, 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 the beauty that I want it to be. This isn't the, the sexual creature I want it to be. Um, and I think the, the, the internet response has been, well, good, it shouldn't be, and it should never have been, but, but that there's something really outrageous about the fact that people are getting so angry about that. Yeah. And, and it's, again, it, it's partly to do with this idea of like the people think that there's a right way of, of portraying the story and they get that into their head from usually from, from some preconceived notions, right? Some, from some ideas that have formulated from either a previous iteration of the property, a previous iteration by one of the creators. Um, we've seen this sometimes when we get a, an actor or actress in a new role that's right. a lot different from their other ones. Um, it, it doesn't happen that often. Um, I know that some people were particularly chilled by the character of Kilgrave in um, Jessica Jones because the character David Tennant had recently portrayed most prominently was, of course, the Doctor. And that uh, the Doctor is sometimes a jerk but often like not 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 the kind of jerk who you know goes around manipulating people um he's sort of playful uh when he's like that i didn't see much of the david Tennant doctor so i don't know about that but generally speaking there's a good person who does good things um for a very long time and so go ahead so and so there was this this reaction um but in that case it was more of a reaction of like oh my god that's such a gut punch but there are definitely other occasions where people say, you know, I'm not buying this character because they've got the idea in their head or they see the the actor portraying their previous character and they don't line up. Right. Um, and, and, and I think there's a couple of things here. I, I think in the Shira case, you know, there's an extent to which I, I have sympathy for you have your image of the character. I think the Shira case is to me a lot more extreme because this is basically men saying – that unless a female character lives up to their ideas of feminine beauty and attractiveness, then they're not going to like the character. And to me, that is just so out. That that is just to me one of the worst parts of fandom when it becomes, you know, this woman has you know, for a woman to be on screen. I'm not even going to think about like, is this character a powerful representation for girls? I'm going to think about is it sexually attractive to me as a man? Um, right. And if it's not, I'm going to reject it. And I think that's there's been some fantastic scholarship on on this specific topic and how the the Shira thing really lights up a lot of how sexism colors the way the the particular kind of ownership that men can can claim over properties they really shouldn't be doing um but but i think also you're, the, the larger point you're getting to with with tenant is also really good because i i feel like there's this thing in fandom now where people don't want to be challenged mm. you know i i loved the um the david tenant um doctor who he's not my, my favorite necessarily chris eccleston is my is my favorite of the new doctors um but I really did enjoy his portrayal of, of, of Doctor Who. I had some problems with some of the writing, but I, I liked his portrayal quite a bit. And when I heard he was cast as Kilgrave, 
I thought, how is that going to happen? And the first episode or two of watching him as Kilgrave created a lot of mental dissonance for me. But I loved that. And I, mm-hmm. I, and, and, and there's a part of me that doesn't, I feel like there's now this idea in fandom of we should never be challenged. We want to keep being spoon-fed. You know, we want everything for the people, the characters we love to be happy and good and wonderful and just to show them having happy times. That seems really boring to me. Like I, I, and I get, I get some desire to have some of that, but like this idea that fandom, that that we as fans should never be challenged. We should never have to ask to see David Tennant play something totally different. Or um, to give another example, and and for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, this is going to spoil the end of Infinity Wars. I felt like Infinity, the end of Infinity War, where Thanos snaps his fingers and everyone turns to dust, was an incredibly emotionally painful gut punch, and I loved that. And I thought, wow, what great media to do that to me. And I didn't really understand the people who came out of it so angry. So, like, how dare you do that to me? How dare you make me upset that these characters I feel such feelings for had bad things happen to them? Um, and that's something that I see a lot in fandom. They're like, how, you know, don't you dare kill this this person. I love them. And I, I, that's when I just start to wonder, like, what are what is happening to our understanding of stories if it's now becoming, don't ever challenge us. Don't ever make us see an actor in a different way. Don't ever make us, you know, feel hard feelings because a character we care about has bad things happen to them. Well, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge that idea a little bit. Not not that uh, I not I don't see the same thing you do, but I don't think that it's a particularly new phenomena. Uh, mm. For example, when um, when Darth Vader at the end of Empire Strikes Back. So this is back when I was very chibi. Uh, so I was some, some single digit number of years old or possibly negative numbers of years old. I don't remember when Empire came out. Um, Empire was 81, I believe. I was negative one. So, uh, (laughs) I was four. (laughs) So when that happened, I know I've read about this. There was backlash. There were people who were like, they're gonna like, that was like a a con, right? And they're going to like do something to, to retcon this in in the next movie, right? Because they, that was upper that was felt like a betrayal of of what the story was doing. That there's no way that our innocent pure hero Luke could be connected to this dark figure um, in in any way, much less that be a you know straight up paternal relationship. Um, like what father cuts his own son's hand off? Uh, right. Apparently, Darth Vader. Uh, <laughs> apparently, Anakin Skywalker does that because he's really mad about not being able to love his wife or something. I don't. Like... <laughs> there, there's <laughs> a lot going on there, but 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 yeah, you are making a good point. I think, and that, and that you're probably right. That, that there's an extent to which the, these things have always been a part of fandom. The thing is that most of the rest of us never had to care. You know, right. that the, inter- the internet has exactly create, you know, the internet has so ramped up both the ability of fans to connect with each other and to share ideas in both positive and negative ways. And, and as, as we said uh, at, the, at the start of this episode, has really ramped up the amount of contact that fans can have with their um, with creators. Um, and to, and to, go ahead. Go on. I, 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 oh, I was going to say that I, I, I like. So I'll give you an example. I I listen to a podcast quite a lot. Uh, there's there's a number of podcasts that I listen to quite often. One of them is one that uh, you and I um 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 are, are both listen to a lot. Um, that's all about uh, magic judging, and 
Um, I've been listening to it for a while, and I recently had the chance to meet uh, one of the people who um, is involved with it, uh, Jess Dunks, great guy, and who actually may well become a, a guest on this show at some point. And he, he's someone I've become friendly with, having worked, worked with him a couple of times. Um, but I remember the first time I met him, I had to remind myself that he had never met me before. Because in my head, I've been having conversations with him for quite some time. Every time I'm listening to him talking to me through my car stereo, uh, as well as the two other uh, guests on his podcast, uh, two other hosts on his podcast, and then I'm uh, in my head, I'm, I'm, I'm responding. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's a great point. Or, oh, I'm, not, I'm not sure I agree with that. My point of all this is I feel like the direct contact that we often get with people through Twitter, through podcasts, it feels much more intimate than just watching someone on TV. And I think it's easy for people to forget, like, this, this is a one-sided thing. You are consuming media. You are not having any back and forth. And I wonder if sometimes that's where people get into their head of, well, this person tweets at me all the time, so I'm sure I should tweet at them all the time. You know, that that, that element of the internet is is pushing people to feel like they have the right to, to express their opinion just as much as someone, and we all have the right to express our opinion, but that's where it starts to get harmful. That's where it starts to get attacking because we sort of feel like, hey, this person's been talking to me for so long, I get to talk back at them. Right, and, and more, more to the point, I get to do it in a way that uh, I like that I get to give them my reaction right now unfiltered, right. right? I don't have to sit here and think about what I'm saying. And what I'm putting out there in some kind of permanent form, uh, and this this also bites people. So we like it's it's a good idea to just sit back whenever you post anything on the internet and go like, is this really a good idea? And if if that tirade you just wrote up, you think yes, okay, fine, go ahead, hit the enter button. But like, so J- anyway, James James Gunn is a cautionary tale. But yes, yeah, James, James Gunn is a cautionary tale. Uh, so sort of moving forward with this idea because there's one last piece i wanted to talk about before we actually talk about specifically fan fiction for a little bit um and that's to do with what happens when the the writers and other creators of the media actually like respond to the fan feedback and and change things or 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 start presenting things differently um Mm. and the big example i can think of here and i mean this is me getting on my soapbox a little bit so it's not that I don't see what people are talking about uh, with Supernatural specifically, but uh, the show as originally portrayed, I felt was a a very beautiful and sometimes heartbreaking tale of two brothers who loved each other with a very in a very positive male male friendship way with a degree of tenderness that they show each other, especially later on as, as the seasons go, they get more and more tender with each other as they sort of learn to help each other cope better and learn how to respond to each other emotionally with their, you know, stunted development from their very, um, I guess, stereotypical father figure is what, right. what I would say, stereotypical masculine, like single father figure uh, who raised them in this sort of paramilitary upbringing. Um, so, to see them like come out of that emotional stuntedness in different ways and start connecting, I thought was beautiful and something we didn't see very often. And the fan reaction to that was to start seeing those, those displays of tender, tenderness, those emotional connections as sexual tension between the characters. And 
it's happened between Sam and Dean, and also to between uh, Dean and Castiel, an angel who shows up in in uh, one of the one of the I think it's season four, yeah, mm-hmm. beginning of season four I think is when Castiel shows up, uh, and has been there ever since. This show's been going on for a long time, yeah. <laughs> uh, and something that that has happened as a result of this is we we see a lot more scenes now that are clearly there for those fans. Uh, and I, I'm not sure how to feel about that because in some ways I think it's great that that content creators are like, this is what our like, we we have a good connection with our fans. We know what our fans want, uh, and we can find ways to give them that without compromising our story. But in a lot of ways, it also feels like it cheapens what they had set up in a way to me that 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 hurt. Well that makes me feel hurt. So now I'm having that reaction where I'm like, <laughs> but, but it was okay. I was so happy that we had an example of two men being really close friends with each other and sharing emotionally with each other and not just like, just insulting each other, mocking each other, punching each other, doing practical jokes. Although there's a whole episode about that, which is super fun, but, um, but not just doing that, but actually like really emotionally connecting. Right. And, then to get it sort of perverted's the wrong term. And I, like, again, I understand where, where uh, other fans are coming from on this. And sometimes I roll my eyes and go, yeah, okay, that does actually seem like, like it's a little bit more romantic, but it, it wasn't always that way. And so I, I struggle with that. But when, when the writers, when the content creators start to do that and start to respond, I feel it actually can reinforce this idea that, Oh, if if the fans speak in the right way, or or speak out enough, or, or present their ideas enough, that it'll actually move, it'll actually change things to what we actually what what, what we're saying we want to see, or the direction we want to see it go. What do you think about that? So, so I think there's two different issues here, and I, and I want to make sure I get you to clarify something, which is that uh, to me, I think there's two different issues here. One of which is one that I know you and I have talked about, which is the balance between the portrayal of male-male friendship that doesn't necessarily have to be sexual with the, um, the, the, you know, obviously the whole, a lot of fan fiction came out of the idea of sexualizing male-male friendship with some mm-hmm. wonderful, with, with a lot of wonderful things to it. Um, and, and But also as you and I have talked about, I think we will talk about, you know, that, that sometimes that, that can wind up almost denigrating the idea of non-sexual male friendship, male-male friendship. And I, I, I do think this is what you meant, but I want to make sure we clarify, clarify for anyone listening that like, to your mind, like the, the portrayal, having more male-male sexual relationships on a show like Supernatural is a great and good thing. That your only issue is it, it taking away from the the amount of male-male friendship that's portrayed because that's also fairly rare. Yeah, um, I 100% agree. Uh, in right. in fact, there have been cases where, um, oh god, I'm, I'm trying to remember the episode, but there have been cases where we have actually uh, had some something like that in the show. But like, so so yes. I, 100% and I'm, and I'm very glad that you that that you clarified because I because yes like it's not that I don't appreciate or don't want to see more portrayals of male male romantic relationships in media like I, I saw uh, a show was it last year I was watching this um this what was it called how to get away with murder uh, mm-hmm. which had um, uh, I thought a really interesting uh, homosexual relationship portrayed um, and the moments when they were like not just 
screwing because it's sensationalist television and apparently that's what we need to show but like when they were actually having like an argument like a couple would have or or when they were like emotionally bonding with each other i thought was beautiful and so like yo absolutely there's i have any problem with that and and i love seeing it but it's also rare to see that that male male friendship portrayed in a way where we're not just showing you the like the Steve Rogers Tony Stark relationship where it's just mostly adversarial, right? Right. And there's well, very little actual emotional bonding or connection. Right. No, and I get that. I, I just want to uh, clarify that to make sure our listeners didn't misunderstand what you were saying. Um, but but the other thing I was going to say is, as I, I I feel like in what you're saying, there's two different issues. One is this issue of how male male relationships are portrayed, um, and the other is the degree to which creators are responding to fans. And and so I want to just kind of draw those two out and talk about them one at a time. Um, and so I put it the pin in the 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 uh, male male relationship for just one second because. I, I, I think I somewhat disagree with you on what you're saying about Supernatural because I, I think here this is just a case of the internet allowing what's always happened because makers of TV shows and to some extent movies have always had, you know, focus groups and things like that. And they've always, you know, very often if you watch TV shows going, going way back to even like the 50s or 60s, you'll see like particular characters, you know, sort of start to come into the foreground or go into the background and a lot of that's based on what what's the fan reaction. You know, the fans saying like, oh, we really like this romantic plot or, or this one isn't really working. So let's kind of write that out. Um, and I'm now blanking on on um, examples of this. Um, oh, so uh, but... Jeffrey Sinclair, actually. So the first commander of Babylon 5 yeah. uh, was a character that uh, there was. So there were multiple reasons for that. But there was actually uh, a negative fan response feeling that the character was too wooden. Um, and so that like. That, but that was before there. The internet kind of existed then, but like yeah. <laughs> not in the way. N- not their internet was not our Earth internet, right? It was you know right. <laughs> Usenet groups and stuff. Not uh, not being able to connect with literally everybody uh, in the celebrity universe uh, whenever you want, basically. Right. But yeah, but but you can go way back earlier to that. You know, the Dick Van Dyke show. I'm sure to yeah. some extent they were they were poll. You know, they were polling people. They were doing focus groups. And it was certainly like I've heard discussions about this in terms of Mash. You know, that when certain characters kind of came in or, or came out of the show, part of that was because of a fan reaction. So, I, I guess what I'm saying is I I hear what you're saying about Supernatural, and I I do think I kind of have more respect for shows that are you know, really sticking to the art- artist's, you know, original ideas and aren't just trying to be, you know, aren't just trying to be, let, let's let get the most people to like this to make the most money, but really let's tell the story we want to tell. Um, but I don't think that that's something that is unique to fandom because I think that happens in, you know, across the board. I think, you know, someone's, you know, look, you just, you know, watch ER and you can see like different characters become more or less popular. And it's probably a lot because of fan reaction to them. Yeah, and, and so, so you're not wrong. There, there's always been some show, some adjustment, right, in media mm-hmm. to to reactions because you want to, especially if you're like network television, you want to make sure your ratings are good. Not that most of us have any influence on ratings, because um, most of us don't have a Nielsen box. Do they even yeah. use <laughs> Nielsen boxes now? Like, I don't know how this. I, I don't know how I don't television know. works anymore. Like, how does that work for Netflix shows? Do they just like pull the internet? Like, I don't. Know. I have no they idea. probably look at views like Netflix probably has their own data. Uh, but anyway, um, but no, like it's probably always existed to a certain extent. And maybe it's just because you, you, 
the era that you're currently in is always the one you're most aware of, right? Right. And so maybe it's because I have a heightened awareness of what I'm seeing now that it, you know, that whole, oh, it wasn't like that back in the, back in the old days. Yeah, it probably was like that. You're probably right there. Um, right. But that doesn't, that doesn't take away the question of, do we think that's, do, do we think that's okay? And to what extent is that, so to what extent do we as fans uh, own our interactions in changing media potentially for the worse? Right. right? So if we, if we have this backlash for the, for the Finn, what was, what was Miss Tran's character's name? Uh, uh Rose Tico. Rose, yes, Rose. Thank Rose you. Tycho, one of the two. Rose. Yeah, yeah. I have to. I have to rewatch the Last Jedi. Uh, I've actually only seen the movie once. Uh, but yeah, so if if fan backlash to the Rose Finn relationship means that in the third movie in this particular trilogy, uh, that that relationship goes away, I I don't feel particularly comfortable with that. I think that that's uh, betraying a lot of what was set up and and sort of admitting that there's anything at all wrong with what they put there. Like, right. would I be upset if there was a Finn Poe relationship? Absolutely not. I would love the hell out of that. But like they, they were clearly setting up a romance in the last Jedi. That's what the writers are trying to do. Maybe well, there can be, maybe there could be a Finn Poe Rose romance. Maybe I'm all about be... polyamory in the star Wars yeah. universe. I don't quite think we're there yet, but well, but I, I think there's two important points there. Um, One is, the, the concept of punching up versus punching down come, comes to me. And, like, you know, part of this is the idea of, like, that, you know, that when you look at privilege and, and, and structure hierarchies of power and things like that, you know, black people making fun of white people, like, there's a lot of room for. White people making fun of black people feels a lot more problematic and with good reason because that, that, that's that punching up versus punching down kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like in, in some ways I, I want to apply this and, and, and push a little bit on the supernatural thing because – to me, you know, when fan pushback is we don't want to have, you know, interracial relationships or we don't want to see these relationships between characters of color, I 100% agree. Like for that aspect of fandom to, to shut that down, I would see is really problematic. Um, but even if there's, you know, I'm really enjoying that aspect of the, the, the male-male friendship of, of Supernatural. And, and there's a little part of me that, that's sad at the idea that that's going to go away later. But if it's going away to make room for more male-male flirtation and male-male sexuality, something that is so rarely seen on television, um, to me, I'm, I'm, I have much more of a pro – like to me, my feelings of, of, of missing that aren't that as, as what's important because we're getting something that we, so, that we don't get as often. And, uh, and, I, and I want to talk more about this idea of the male-male friendship and how fan fiction and all that plays into it. But, but I do think it's important to note that like – for me, my feelings as a straight man and, and not getting the story that I necessarily want, even though I think that it's an important story to be told, that's not quite as important. Yeah, no, and I 100% agree with that as well. Uh, to be fair, in Supernatural, there's never a, any kind of portrayal of, of actual relationship, which if they actually pulled the trigger on that, all of my objections go away. It's yeah. mostly queer baiting, uh, yeah. which is... Which is deeply problematic uh, because in that case it, it really does feel like pandering to the fandom without actually pulling the trigger on doing something that would actually be good in the media. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I mean, and, and just explain if people haven't heard that term. Um, and and this is two straight men trying to explain to you what queer baiting means. But my, my I think our understanding. We, we should have gotten other people on this episode. I mean, I think we're two straight white men. We should get different people on every episode. Yeah, one hundred percent. But I'm also glad we're doing what we are. Um, but I think queer baiting, it's the idea of doing enough to make audiences feel like they're getting, you know, a bone thrown to them without crossing the line that's going to upset people, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that I, I have not seen the, this at Supernatural go, uh, I have not seen anything beyond halfway through season two of Supernatural, so I can't comment on any of that. But certainly when I know people talk about queer baiting and how, how much of a problem it is, Supernatural is often raised as an example of that. Um, and so I, I, I'm totally in agreement with you there. Yeah, it's on um, the Wikipedia article for it, uh, the yeah. <laughs> Castiel and Dean specifically. But yeah, but but so so again, yeah, there'd be a real difference to me if they actually like established that as a romantic relationship. Now I'm on board. I'm super happy about it. Yeah. Well, and I think what we're sort of getting at, though, and and it's, I, I keep pushing back on you on this because I'm somewhat pushing mm-hmm. back on myself because it's 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 something that I don't know how to talk about while while hearing all sides to this because. To me, I think when I when I do sometimes cringe a little bit at fan fiction, uh, at least the, these parts of like slash fan fiction, is I I want to see more male male relationships romanticized and sexualized. I think we need to see more of that in media. But I think this is kind of where, where where I think you were going with Supernatural. The part that I sometimes worry about is if every time two men are emotional towards each other. Um, that immediately becomes a source of fan fiction because that, and then immediately becomes a, well, of course these two must be lovers. To me, we're actually reinforcing a very homophobic idea, which is that men can't show emotion towards each other unless they're they're They have romantic or sexual yeah. feelings for each other. A- absolutely. What, what we're doing is we are reinforcing the culture of toxic masculinity in, in one of the most insidious ways by effectively saying, Oh, if you ever, if you act like that, we're going to assume that you two are involved in some way, which there wouldn't be anything wrong with that. But it's it's this idea that you can't be, you know, a heterosexual male and show emotional appreciation for another heterosexual male like that, that somehow that just doesn't happen, because whenever we see it in media or, or when people see it in media, they usually tend to go, oh, is there going to be a romance forming here? Right, and, and like and that he, just seems. And it's funny because even even as I hear you saying the things that I was just saying and agreeing with me, there's a part of me that wants to start disagreeing with you because I and, and yeah, and no, there's a part because... of me that wants to start disagreeing <laughs> with me, like because I, because I think it's such a sensitive topic, and and frankly, I want to really open to our to our listeners that if you think this is one where we're we're kind of um um uh, off base, please let us know. Because I, I think it's, it's, it's something that isn't talked about. I don't know how to talk about it properly because to me this isn't about, oh, poor me as the white straight man. I don't get enough characters like me. Of course I do. I get hundreds of characters like me every day, um, and there need to be a lot less characters like me. Fewer. But I – okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> there need to be a lot, lot more characters like me who are very intelligent and very bad at verbal grammar. Um, <laughs> but but I, 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 do, I, I do wonder you know, to – how how do we get to a place where where we can see? And I, I think part of it is that it, it's because there's such a lack, you know. That that frankly, um, you know, um, I, I've heard um, uh, you know activists of color talk about how 
you know, that the, the, the problem isn't the portrayal of, of black men as drug dealers. The problem is that when every black man is portrayed as a drug dealer, you know, the, the, the stereotype that that reinforces and the need to have a much wider portrayal of, um, uh, of, of people of color in media, of women in media color, to break out of these stereotypes. And I think here it's the same kind of thing. I think it's because right, – I guess it's not quite the same thing, but, but similar – we don't have enough male-male romantic, male-male sexual, male-male amorous relationships, or 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 women-women, or 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 non, you know, people who are 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 out of the gender binary. Um, we don't have enough of any of those stories told, and so there's a real hunger for that. And I think so because of that hunger, there's a real like any time there's anything that could be anything like that, there's a real desire to say, okay, let's let's run with that, let's see what that could become. And I think that's great, and I think that that that. It, it's all, you know, speaking to the idea that we need more of those relationships. I, I just, I would say my hope is that we can get to a point where we, where, where we are seeing more of those relationships portrayed, that, that also something that can be portrayed is, is male-male friendship that isn't necessarily having to be sexualized or romanticized because there are so many others that are being so. Yeah, you're, you're right. It probably is a reaction to the, the more I think about it, the more, the more you're, uh, and the more you talk, the more it probably is a reaction to the, the the general dearth of those kinds of romantic relationships, especially in mainstream television media. You know, uh, they're just not that common. And mm-hmm. so, like, as you said, when we get a hint of it, it's um, and it, that is a good thing that we're all like, oh, that we're so that well, so that, that some people are, are accepting enough of it to be all like, OK, that's happening. And it's great, and they're very excited about it. And that, that is something to be excited about, to, to start seeing more equality in those kinds of representations in our media, to, to have our media more accurately represent uh, the culture that it is selling itself to, right? Yeah. Um, and in a lot of ways, fan fiction can actually help make those corrections or 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 help with that. It can help people take these these stories and these ideas that they've they've engaged with and um and have Kirk and Spock have a romantic relationship which there's nothing wrong with that that in fact those some of those stories are very interesting uh i've i've read a bunch of old star trek uh slash fiction um although in my opinion the otp is actually uh spock mccoy but <laughs> cuz cuz oh god I could yeah. go on for a while about Spock <laughs> McCoy. Well, and I, I think that that, um, personally to me, that's a perfect polyamorous triad. But but <laughs> I, I think also what you're getting at there is, uh, to me, one, one of the most sort of interesting and in some ways heartbreaking things I ever read was in this great essay on the origins of fan fiction. It talked about how, um, you know, it, it interviewed, you know, why was it that, you know, a number of primarily straight women we're, we're, we're writing and consuming these stories about homosexuality among the characters on, on Star Trek, of those three particularly. And, and when they asked women why, why they really love these stories, one of them said uh, – a number of them said something to the variety of, it's the only way we can imagine men expressing their emotions. Um, and especially men expressing their emotions to each other, but also just men expressing their emotions. And I thought that just to me was such an interesting and in some ways heartbreaking statement about about toxic masculinity and about – the need for these stories to to push the boundary that that of, of what we're not allowed to do um we're not allowed to have uh straight men portray uh uh, uh um uh in media um and i think things have, have changed somewhat since the early days of star trek but nowhere near enough um and 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 so to me that's always just been a really important statement about 
you know, why this element of fan fiction is so important. Um, and, and that what it's challenging, and I think what you and I are also bringing up, is, is all of it ties back to toxic masculinity and ideas of the ways in which we are taught that men shouldn't express their emotions. Right. And and here again, um, the reason why we got on this topic in the first place is talking about how fans were reacting to these portrayals and to in, in that particular reaction being pushing toward romantic because – when we see those things, that's that's what we tweak to. That's that's how people are responding. Um, but I'm not even sure it's so. If if the content creators get those kind, and and this happens actually with a series that uh, you and I are going to be watching, I think later this year at this point. Um, when when content creators respond to fans saying, "Hey, this these characters look really seem like they could be in a relationship with each other at some point." And it seems like things are building toward that way with a, well, we hadn't planned that, but that does work and is awesome. So let's do that. That that can be a good thing. So sometimes these, these fan reactions can develop into some very positive things that would never have, uh, would never have formed beforehand. But I'm willing to bet that that didn't happen because the writer's getting death threats. Willing yeah. to bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it also speaks to that there's, there's two really different ways that this can happen. I think, to me, there's something very interesting about the idea of authors or content creators embracing the openness of the content creation process to say, I want to make this a little bit collaborative. And and the author saying, look, I'm going to be the primary you know creator of this, but I'm going to want to hear my my fans' feedback and and take that into account. And maybe my fans will see something I didn't see, and I'll take it in a different way. I think that's very different from how do we get the most people to watch this to make the most money, right? Um, and exactly. and obviously I'm I'm painting two polarities, and probably most things fall somewhere in the middle. But especially. Um, you know, the way media is created, especially in, in, in television and in um, uh, movies, a lot of times the author might have their creative vision, but it's the network saying, okay, sure, but, um, you know, we're not getting enough teenage male viewers, so you need to get, you know, uh, a Borg in skin-tight clothing who's a hot woman on to, you know, like, uh, you know, everything I've ever heard. You know, I think Seven of Nine became an interesting character, but my understanding is she was completely pushed on them by the network as a way to say – Focus groups say there's not enough, you know, hot women in this show, so put put, yeah, put so, seven of nine in there. So they effectively um, fired Cass and put seven of nine in. I mean, right. seven of nine was an amazing character. Uh, I mean, anybody who's listened to our episode on uh, artificial intelligence uh, <laughs> know would probably not be surprised that I really liked seven of nine and the Doctor, but right. um, but yeah, like the the. When when it's something like that, when when it is a you know trying to get ratings and and doing something that I, I think that's the that's the thing that that really is troubling, right? Is when it is something we find socially problematic, uh, happens in the media as a response to fan reaction, yeah, right. And so what what responsibility do we as fans have? in our engagements and in in doing the things that you were doing where you were really taking a step back even with our conversation about the the male male friendship idea and going well but is that really what's most important right now right i i I think it's a great question i think there's a couple of things i think first of all as with our conversation we just had as a fan i I, and and i know you know 
I don't think too many of my, my our listeners are the folks who are going to say, oh my God, you're snowflakes, because probably we drove those people off a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if not, I'm probably going to drive you away right now. I do think as a fan, when you're thinking about how you respond, one of the first things you've got to think about is your, is your privilege and to what extent, like, if something feels like it's not for you, is that bad? Or is it actually good that there's more media not for you? Um, and, and where do you fall on, on, not that I think privilege is one single, you know, hierarchical scale, but that how you, how you fit in that conversation, especially around the thing you're talking about, how does it matter? You know, I mean, to me, I think as a fan, if I'm annoyed at the portrayal of a white man in a show, I don't think my voice carries much weight, uh, nor should it. Uh, as a disabled person, when I see uh, some ableism in a show, I think there my, my fan cred goes up significantly. Um, so so I, I do think that, that, that that's the first thing I think of in terms of responsibility. But beyond that, I think, I think that we have, to, we have to be aware of what's the difference between the fun over a beer, you know, ranting about, you know, how we feel about these things versus the, 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 um, the con- conversation we, we get to have actually with the creators and, and, and in spaces that matter. You know, I obviously have some very strong feelings about Zack Snyder and, and the role that he has played in, in taking DC in the direct, <clears throat> excuse me, in the direction it has. If I ever got to be on a DC focus group, I would probably want to express that in some way. I'd probably express it in very different terms than the ones I use, you know, over beer with friends or, or here. Um, and I'll say even there, the way I express, I, catch me over a beer, my feelings about my, my Batman are a lot stronger than, than they are here, if, if that can be believed. Um, but because the, the, there's, a play, there's a time and place, and there's a recognition of, especially because, you know, and here, here's, it's going to sound like I'm praising Zack Snyder, and I, I'm not, but I sort of, sort of am, in that I really, really didn't like Batman vs. Superman. I thought it was such a wrong vision of it. But I've gotten so much conversation out of that movie. I have had so many opportunities to talk with people about that movie, whereas I've seen movies that just bored me. And at the end of the movie, I just didn't want to talk about it after all. I mean, honestly, like some people might think it's kind of funny that for me as a a self-procrastinator, and I know you as well, but, um, you know, Star Wars was my absolute original first and true love fandom. I haven't talked about the movie solo once on this podcast until right now, and it's because I, I had some issues with it. I, I, I disagreed with some things. Mostly I just found it boring. I just was really bored by the movie. And and to me, that's almost – that's a lot worse than something like Batman vs. Superman where I can it, – it, 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 the movie makes me think and makes me have some strong opinions even though they're ones I really disagree with. Right. I think I went off way on a tangent from what your original question no, was. No, no you, did, you, you did. You did effectively answer that. So, like, basically, you're saying yes. We we have some some responsibility, and th- these are the kinds of things that that we need to think about uh, before we engage. Um, but and and I do think it's important that if if you feel strongly enough about something, if if you really think that there's something wrong in in a piece of media you've consumed. I think it's okay to to voice that, right? I think like people might disagree with you, and that's okay. And you can have you can have an argument, you can have conversations. This is how human beings should interact. Um, but if it gets to the point where you are feeling where where you're, I, I'm laughing because it it sounds absurd, but it has happened to most of us. I think 
where you feel betrayed, where it's an actual like identity triggering or or otherwise um or otherwise person it feels like a personal attack. Then you like it's it's tough to do, but you gotta like you gotta wait a bit and and think about your reaction and then engage because you might still have some good points. You might still have some ideas and that it really bothered you. Um, and sometimes you don't need that check, right? As you mentioned before, um, when when you were talking about privilege, um, if they did something very wrong with with a class of which you're a member, like, yeah, you, I don't think you you're well within yeah, your I, rights to be angry and go ahead and talk about it. I, I, it's uh, funny because as you were talking, I, I think it's and, and I, I absolutely know what you're saying, and I just want to add a nuance to it. I think what both of us are talking about is the feelings you have over artistic difference, you know, yes. the feelings you have over, you know, Captain America being portrayed to be a Nazi. No, burn that shit down. Like <laughs> that's when go, you know, and, and similarly, um, cause it's funny when we talked about betrayal, I was realizing like, to me, showing me someone that is not my Batman. Yeah. Or, or even like worse, like the force was such an important part of my childhood. And, um, that was, you know, such a big thing. I hated midichlor, but it didn't destroy my childhood. I didn't feel betrayed by that. But that being said, if, you know, a character who meant a lot to you because they spoke to you in a way, and now the writer is writing them in a way that is racist or sexist or kind of like goes back on the thing that spoke to you about, yeah, that's absolutely a betrayal and, and, and get up in arms about that kind of betrayal. I think we're specifically more talking about artistic direction, you know, and... I'm saying that as though there's a clear and easy line between those two, and obviously there's not. There's a lot of nuance there, but I do think that's an important distinction to make, that, that what you and I are talking about is we can love these properties. We can have strong feelings about these properties. We can feel like the property should have gone in one direction and it went in another, but there's a need to kind of say, unless this is about a justice kind of a thing, really, I can just turn that media off and still hold my original ideas of it just as strongly. Right, and and you could even throw throw up some of your ideas uh, onto the the broader internet, but it's probably like it's probably out of line. It's probably too far. In fact, I'm going to say most of the time it's too far to just directly attack the actors or the writers or the. It's completely uncalled for. It's it's a story, yeah. right? It's and and again it, it, there I, I think the punching up versus punching down thing you know especially yes, when exactly. you ask yourself is this a punching down moment is this a even like a punching sideways moment you know punching up absolutely go for it but everything else is where i think what what you're saying really applies yeah um and so like kind of want to wrap up a little bit although we didn't we didn't so much talk about uh, the merits of of fan fiction itself i would like to talk a little bit about just about yeah. that um just the the so I assume most of our listener listeners are aware of what fan fiction is, but in case, I mean, I don't want to, assumption is bad. So, <laughs> um, basically fan fiction is when, uh, there's, there's a given property, media, storyline, whatever, um, where people go and create new stories, uh, or modify the existing stories, uh, themselves. So like these, these are original works made by other people, but they're, they're, original works taking uh the characters or the ideas or the story of of another piece of media uh, so like there's buffy the vampire slayer fan fiction for example or there's um there's fan fiction for sailor moon there's fan fiction for 
Star Trek, as we as we've already discussed. Um, and sometimes these are just uh, wish fulfillment fantasies. So these, mm -hmm. these are people like, oh man, this is what I really want to see. And since nobody's going to write it, I'm going to write it. And I'm going to throw it out there and see if anybody else wants to see it. And, you know, that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes it's Sometimes it's it's one of these reactions where you know I'm really really angry about how the story went. Here's how I would have written it completely differently. And again, like there's not really that much harm in that in and of itself. Yeah, and I'm with you. And I think that that's I, I keep beating this privileged horse, but I think it's such an important part of it. One of the things is you know I, I admit I have never been felt a pull to write fan fiction. And and I was talking with someone about this, and they said, well, that's because you always get the stories that speak to you. You know, I think that that's one of the most important things that fan fiction has done is it's given more of a space for the stories that aren't being told in the voices that aren't being told. And the, you know, Luke Skywalker is my wish fulfillment in a way that we don't get for, you know, um, people who aren't straight white cis men in quite the same way. And, and, and as I brought up, I think another, and you were getting at, to me, one of the other really good things that, that fan, fan fiction can do is it can be that way to fix something that you think needs to be fixed, you know? I love that there are so many people who have the same feelings that you and I do about Slytherin, and so they went and said, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this. I'm gonna go out and write better Slytherin." Um, and there's one listeners, if you if you know this and can help me find it again, please do because I've never been able to find this again. One of my favorite pieces of fan fiction was a it was kind of in the same sort of vein as the Ender's Shadow books, where it was a rewriting of the Harry Potter books as told by a Slytherin who was a year behind Harry, so a first year when Harry was a second year, basically watching and helping in the shadows Harry the entire time. And, and to me, that's just... If you, can, if you know the piece of uh, fiction I'm talking about, please tweet me the name. Um, to me, that was such a great example of fan fiction because it was saying, like... And, and that author wasn't saying, like, oh my god, J.K. Rowling goes die in a fire. They were saying J.K. Rowling did something great but made a big mistake, and so here I'm going to fix it. Um... And, and the other thing that I think fan fiction can do, and I, I, it sounded like I was kind of attacking these fans before, and I, I want to say I, I think there's certainly a place for it. I do get that some people just want to see their favorite characters be happy. And, and that there's some fan fiction out there that, that the, the whole idea of it is we're just going to show you know, Steve and Bucky being happy together. Maybe as romantic partners, maybe as friends, but just we're going to let them not have bad things happen to them. Because, yeah, it... it, it as much as, I, quite frankly, I like I like emo, I like the emotional drama. I'm sure it can get frustrating when, when just only bad things happen to the characters. And I think it's great that there's fan fiction out there that is just only good things happening. That's not going to be my cup of tea, but I, but I'm glad it exists. Yeah, and, and there's there's certainly fan fiction uh, for things like uh, for things like Angel, where they they bring Fred back. Uh, I don't I don't know yeah. if you've seen the series, but there there's so things where something left you unsatisfied in some way, or or a Buffy fic where you um, where Oz never left, right? Yeah. Uh, where I, Oz was was a character I was a big fan of, so like that that sort of speaks to me. Um, but and like again, like these stories can be very well written and are and are. I love that people are motivated enough to to do this because, like, writing. Speaking of somebody who's done this a couple of times himself, yes, I've written fan fiction. Go ahead and mock me <laughs> on the internet. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, but um, it, it's a lot of work. Um, yeah. And 
it's it's you know it's a lot of work for you know there's you don't usually get anything out of making it other than the satisfaction of, of making it and maybe somebody likes it um but there's there, there's a certain joy to be had in in embracing these things and in being so appreciative of them that it inspires you to create uh, media yourself that inspires you to create stories and art yourself. So, so it's just it's just in the cases where um, fan fiction is being used as, is being weaponized that I mm-hmm. take issue with it. If if you understand what I mean by that, yeah, I, I think I think I, I know what you mean. I mean, I, I this is such a small small example, but I think like you know there were a number of people I know who really wanted to see. Um, various romantic relationships coming out of the uh, out of Force Awakens, either between uh, Finn and Poe, or between either one of those two and Daisy, and and again, uh, me the Pollyanna, you know, let's have a Pollyanna triad for the three of them, um, or get Rose in there, all four. But but even but, so, like, well, well, c- well, real quick, I'm going to interrupt you. Uh, by Daisy, you mean Ray, right? Daisy Yo, Ridley yes, is the actress. Yeah, yes, Daisy's the actress. Um, Gosh, yeah, here I am uh, critiquing those who can't separate the creators from the, cre- from the creation. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but but people who, who you know, and, and I thought that there was some gr- great fan fiction that came out of that and some great speculating on that. And obviously the writers chose to go in a different direction. And you can bring up some points about like that maybe it was homophobia and that they didn't want to show the two men having a relationship. Maybe there was concerns about interracial relationship and that they didn't want to show Ray and Finn together. Um and I think there are some legitimate critiques there. But I also know that some of the, the vociferousness of what I saw, it, it seemed to go to that same place we were talking about before, where it was, you know, when people would say, no, no, but but everyone knows, you know, Finn and Poe are the, like, that it is canon that these two are together, or that Daisy and Finn, or Daisy and Poe, that it is canon that these two are together. And that was where I was like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Like, fan fiction is fantastic. It's not canonical. Um, fan and, and fiction that, is fantastic. Did okay, you really that's... just say that? <laughs> unintentional, <laughs> unintentional. Um, and and I, I feel bad. I know it, it's. I think it sounds like we're just ragging on fan fiction, and that's not my intent at all. Um, my intent is much more to lift up the problems in fan culture, and then I think fan fiction, in for the most part, is is a bulwark against that. And that a lot of fan fiction does a lot to to challenge a lot of the worst parts of fan culture. Um, but that here, I do think that 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 that, that what I was seeing there was again an example of. As much as we can, we can love the version of the story that we tell in fan fiction or in just the stories we tell around the bar. That that that's not the true story. That 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 doesn't take away from the artist's ability to tell their version of the story. And right. and you might say, you know, your version of the story is better. In a lot of cases, I probably do. You know, I I um, Paul and I were sitting around once, and I came up with what I thought would be a much better version of Batman versus Superman, one in which it's. Um, Really, it's Superman versus Wonder Woman, and it's Batman who, you know, is the one to, to sort of figure it out and to bring peace between the two of them. Because in my world, Lex Luthor isn't smarter than Batman and doesn't get to fool Batman. I just that's just not how I understand those characters are. And, but Zach- and we've and we've talked about uh, our our alternate take on Captain America: Civil War being Captain America: Civil Suit, where we have yeah, an exactly. actual like court that, battle over the, the Sokovia that, Accords. That that's the movie, the version I would want to see. That's not the one the creators gave us. And I think, to, to me, it just all comes down to, I love to find the places to, and I'm feeling weird, because I feel like this episode, we're more lecturing fans than, than I, we've ever done, and I really don't that's mean it to the, be that. 
Yeah, uh, that, that's uh, certainly not the intent. Yeah, to me, this is us. <laughs> this is us having our opinions. And please, fans, if you disagree, shout at us just as just as loudly right back at us. But I know where, where I come down is I, I love the idea of fans creating content, discussing content, you know, um, having all these ideas back and forth. What I don't love is when it becomes when it gets to the point where we start thinking either there before we get to attack the creators or we start to get to say the creators are wrong because in the end of the day, the creators still get to have their vision of things. Right. And I mean, I've been in, I've been in the position where I've predicted an outcome because of how I would write something. And then that's not how the story actually turned. And I got upset the the way that we sometimes all get upset when we're wrong. Uh, (laughs) But, but (laughs) that was because I made a prediction based on what I felt was the best story. And that's not the story that I was given. That doesn't mean the story's wrong, that that was yeah. the one that they made. Um, but it's just, it's having that, uh, and, and this is a plea, more more of a plea, I feel, uh, for people who, who consume the science fiction and fantasy media uh, and superhero media that, that we talk about. Um, but really any, any, any kind of story, any kind form of art, um, I implore you to have the the intellectual self-awareness and the intellectual respect for yourself and others to separate your ideas about what you think should be done and what the and the art that's actually being presented to you. There's usually merit in the art being presented. And if you're not looking for it, you miss yeah, it. I, mean, I don't think yeah, I'll I mean, think. I, I, I get mean point, yeah. okay, usually maybe a strong word. There are <laughs> some creators that don't actually give us much, but but here we are being, you know, carte blanchely critical and we're not naming names, so that means it's okay, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, so but, I'm gonna but, go on. You know, the general idea is just that, you know, not all art is necessarily for everyone, and that's fine. And I, I, it's, I think it's okay to be, uh, to understand the reactions that you have when you're upset. But I think it's even more important to to actually dive into the why there, and and not just react. Yeah, and there, especially on this idea of you know not all media is for everyone, that. The real important question comes, how much media is already for you? You know, and if there isn't much media for you and you find one more piece of media that isn't for you, yeah, you know, let people know about that because there needs to be. But when it's, you know, there's a ton of media that's already for you, that's when that's when it's more maybe the time to step back and say, you know, maybe there are already 8 million pictures of cartoons of warrior goddesses in, you know, skimpy outfits. And maybe there doesn't need to be one more in the Shira reboot. Um, not... And I, I'm saying that almost kind of justified, like, like I think, not that Shira ever should have been, and that the sexual, but, but that, that there again, it's like, come on, you know, let other people have things, and especially stop sexualizing all of it. Um, that's just another point entirely. Um, mm-hmm. So I want us to start wrapping up, and I want to just throw out my other, um, my one little other sort of thing of fandom that 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 gets my goat, um, if I can use a, a phrase I love that makes me an old old man. Um, and again, here, this is just, I don't even think that's wrong or bad, but it's, but it's where I'm like, it, it's a part of fandom that, I, that I'm sad about because it, I think, makes it harder for those who, who don't, aren't part of this, which is the constant obsession with, you know, trying to learn things about the media before it comes out and then debating them. Um, I am all for watching a piece of media and then getting into a long debate about what it says. What I am more hesitant about is, 
when someone says, oh my God, can you believe the choices they made about Batman? And I say, well, how do you know they made those choices about Batman? And they say, well, look at these set photos. Um, and then <laughs> I just start to go like, come on, we don't... I kind of like I am now at a point where I just don't watch trailers and I do everything I can to avoid those conversations about, you know, the um, the, the the endless. It seems like there's so much of fandom that is just wrapped up in, OK, this movie's a year out. Who is being cast? What does that mean? What can that tell us? What can we what can we glean from set photos? And that's where I'm just like, I guess if if that is how people enjoy things, I, I, I can't say that it's wrong, but it just kind of makes me sad because I just it makes it harder and harder for people who want to just watch the movie to just get to watch the movie without having all that discussed. And, and I guess maybe it's just kind of my own line in the sand. I'm going to discuss things once I've seen the piece of media or once I've, I've heard from people who have seen the piece of media who I really respect. What I don't want to do is debate the piece of media based on the, 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 um, the set photos. Great. So, in, in sort of wrapping up, I, this is, thank you for joining me, Matthew, on this, uh, very strange episode of the superhero <laughs> ethics podcast again here the to, to, to sort of bring it all back around uh we wanted to talk about be, because we spend so much time talking about in some ways critiquing uh media that, that we're consuming and talking about the ethics of the characters we wanted to take a sort of step back and talk about the ethics of effectively ourselves and of our listeners and, and of of others who who engage with these stories not that we haven't talked about them in the past, but sort of really engage on on some of those ideas. And we, there's a lot more that we could discuss here, but I feel like we've we've probably reached a good point uh, where we can we can stop and sort of let the rest of you engage on these points or, or talk with us and say, share your ideas about what you think about uh, fan engagement, uh, the idea of fan ownership of of a piece of media or of of a property of a, a series of stories or of art. Um, and what what the responsibilities of a fan are to the creators, both to hold them to task for things that, that are problematic, but also to allow for artistic choices that you might not necessarily disagree with without uh, taking certain actions. Um, and it's all based on this general idea of, you know, if we, if we take these stories that we're watching and we, we see these portrayals of people being, you know, sort of larger than life and doing the right thing in the face of adversity, if we consume these stories and we don't allow them to affect ourselves in, in a positive way and affect our behavior and inform how we approach life, I feel that we are serving, we're, we're doing a disservice to ourselves in that regard. And so in this way, here's, here's just another way that you could be a little bit more heroic, I feel, in that <laughs> you, could, you could not go out on social media and attack people for yeah. things you just were a little bit upset about. <laughs> and, and, and frankly, I kind of feel like here you and I are a little bit arguing against a straw man because if you're the person who – I don't imagine there's many people who love our podcast and also love harassing people on the internet. Right, I, I right. Just, I'm, I'm hoping the Venn diagram there isn't, isn't very much. But I, but I hope at least that we've, we've spawned some interesting discussion about things. And also I, I think on this episode more than others, you and I have, have both kind of gone out on some limbs and, and both disagreed with each other and also had some places where we agree. But we've, we've taken some positions that I, I don't know if everyone would agree with, and I would love to hear from others. So um, as always, um, and as Jacob was saying, you know, um, you know we want to hear your feedback on these things. So you can, you can tweet at us uh, or email us. Uh, you can tweet us or find us on Facebook. Both of those are just Superhero Ethics. Um, you can email us at superheroethics at gmail.com. 
Um, you can leave us a review on iTunes and, and talk to us about how this is working and what you think of this podcast and this particular episode. Um, because at the end of the day, I think, and, and Jacob, tell me if you would agree with this, more than anything, what I love is things that open up conversations. And I, like I said, as much as I dislike Batman or Superman, it gave me something to talk about. And I feel like fan content that opens up conversation, whether it's, you know, critiques of movies or fan fiction or any of these things, things that say, yeah, let's talk about this more. All of that is great. It's the stuff that says, you know, fuck you, you ruined my childhood. That that just doesn't go anywhere. Um I mean, for sure. I love things that, that start conversations. Uh, we had an entire episode, just, just last episode, <laughs> where we engaged with those things because we were really happy about them. It also can um, be sort of the springboard point for a new episodes, so it helps us uh, not have to do quite so much work in figuring yeah. out what we're doing next. <laughs> so, you know, for entirely selfish reasons, I love these things. Exactly. But and no, and no. I'll say... Oh, go ahead. Seriously, though... Um, and, and this is true. I know some people personally who, who listen. Um, I'm happy to have these conversations in person as well. If there's something that, that we've brought up on any of these that, that you want to talk about. Uh, the entire reason I agreed to start doing superhero ethics is like, oh, I get to talk with Matthew about this for like an hour or so at a go. <laughs> the emphasis on the or so. Uh-huh. <laughs> as we pass the 90 minute mark. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, so so to all of you, please help us continue the conversation. Um, you know, um, tell us what you agree with, tell us what you disagree with, tell us your own. Tell you know, if ever there was a time, um, you know, tweet at us links to your favorite fan fiction or the fan fiction you've written or the fan art. Um, I should say I am. We talked entirely about fan fiction. I am someone who is not very visually inclined, and I know that. But I, and so I'm probably biased against it. But I know there's an incredible world out there of fan art that we haven't even touched on. So. If you guys are creators of that, if you have opinions on it, if you just want to talk to us about it, um, positively or negatively, please contact us. Um, Jacob, thank you so much for taking the lead on this uh, and, and giving us a great conversation. Uh, to all you listeners, thank you for sticking with us through, through some difficult conversations. I uh, hope you'll keep tuning in and, and being a part of this. Uh, and thank you guys all and have a great day.